Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. In the first half of the 20th century, Turkey and Iran dreaded their common northern border with the Soviet Union and allied themselves with the West in general and the United States in particular. But now, though some of their concerns remain aligned, including the Kurdish communities, Iraq, Syria, and Azerbaijan, their interests are more and more in conflict and their policies may involve them in a head-on collision. Is it a foregone conclusion or avoidable? To analyze this topic, we're joined from Turkey by Mr. Yusuf Erim, who is TRT World Editor-at-Large. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Also joining us from Central Israel is Mr. Meir Javed Anfar, who is an Iran lecturer at IDC Herzliya. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having me. Indeed, and with us here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments pertaining to this unique relationship. By latest, you mean you don't want me to go back to the proud and ancient civilizations with their uh, long history, um, both separately uh, and vis-a-vis each other. Fine. Um, So uh, even though Turkey and Iran um, have a common border, uh, perhaps now, this time of uh, the year, it's not frozen and one can cross over. There usually is some snow there uh, in wintertime. This is not the front line between these two countries. They are both involved in one way or another in Syria, but right now the front is in Iraq or in the northern part, the Kurdish part, and it has to do uh, with the uh, pro-Iranian militias and the Turkish armed forces battling the uh, PKK, the uh, Kurdish uh, terrorist uh, organization, Um, because the uh, northern part of uh, Iraq, where there are also American and coalition bases, is now uh, the place where friction uh, is uh, most evident between the various interests. So right now, um, there are mostly verbal attacks uh, between the sides. We should also, of course, consider the fact that Iran is uh, perhaps the most powerful Shiite nation, while Turkey is a powerful Sunni nation, and there is uh, a basic tension between uh, uh, the two, the two parts of the uh, Muslim uh, religion. So all in all, we are in a period of escalation. You asked whether uh, further escalation is avoidable. It is, but it will take a lot of diplomacy. Indeed. and. Uh To better shed light on all of this, we'll try and understand both perspectives uh, to this uh, uh, conflict, if you will. But uh, Mr. Erim, we'll start with you. What what is the Turkish perspective on on the current situation vis-a-vis Iran? Well, we have to separate relations with Iran from bilateral relations between Tehran and Ankara and both countries' power projection into the region. Now, when we look at bilateral relations, obviously the uh, economy, bilateral trade, uh, the very recent launching of the Istanbul, Tehran, Islamabad train, uh, we see positive developments on that front, especially economically. But uh, once we get to power projection in the region, 
especially in Iraq and Syria, we see that both countries have proxies in the region. Uh, Turkey has very serious national security concerns, especially lately in Iraq with the PKK. And we see slow cooperation between the PKK and Shiite militia groups, most namely the Hashto Shabian uh, and likely operation by Turkey into the Sinjar region of Iraq to quell these national security concerns. Now, we know that just a, a couple of weeks ago, Turkey had launched an operation into Gara uh, against PKK operatives and terrorists in the region. And uh, part of that operation, uh, unfortunately, 13 Turkish prisoners were executed by the PKK. Now, this definitely didn't go down well in Ankara. And Turkey now wants to broaden its counterterrorism operations into Sinjar. And Turkey has been cooperating with its regional allies in Baghdad, in Erbil. Uh, we've seen comments by Masrur Barzani talking about the PKK taking advantage of the KRG's goodwill in occupying land and that their presence is no longer tolerated. We've seen the Iraqi Prime Minister, Mustafa al-Kadimi, also give warm comments. So one could assume these could be perceived as green lights for Turkey to enter Sinjar, which is going to create even more tension between Turkey and the Shiite militia in that group, who are now housing and aiding and abetting PKK, most namely Hashd al-Shabi, Kateb Hezbollah, Asaib al-Haq, uh, Harakat Hezbollah, Nujaba. So these groups are uh, definitely going to uh, cause problems for Turkey. And uh, latest reports are saying that there's about 15,000 Hashd al-Shabi in Sinjar. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Javed Anfal, how about the Iranian perspective to this whole ordeal? Where does Iran perceive Turkey to be a challenge to its interest in the region? First and foremost, uh, Iran does see um, Turkey as a competitor, but Iran's priority right now is to reduce tensions. There are some tensions and clashes of interests um, in uh, Azerbaijan. We saw recently when, when regarding Azerbaijan, Mr. Erdogan said a, quoted a poem uh, which Azerbaijanis sometimes uh, cite when Azerbaijan was divided in half between Iranian uh, Azerbaijan and independent Azerbaijan, which used to be part of the Soviet Union. He raised a lot of anger uh, through that. There were concerns. There was now recently the Twitter spat uh, between the Iranian ambassador to uh, to Iraq and, and, and the Turkish government, which led to the gov both governments to, to uh, call each other, call the other side's ambassador. But I have to say, this is not something that Iran wants to escalate. Iran does not want to escalate the, the current tensions to escalate, although there are tensions. Iran has got other issues on its plate regarding the sanctions, regarding issues uh, with Saudi Arabia, with uh, with Israel, and, and of course Turkey is a very very important um, uh, supplier. Turkey is Iran's link to Europe, basically. It's the land corridor. To Europe for Iran runs through Turkey. Turkey is a very important um, source for import of goods from Europe via land. Turkey is a customer for Iran's gas, although Turkey has, is buying now 30% less gas than it did in 2019. Still, this is very important for uh, for Iran. And last but not least, um, Turkey is, a, is an important market for Iranians, including regime officials, who want to invest their money abroad in real estate. Iranians after Iraqis are the second biggest investors 
Middle Eastern investors in Turkish real estate and the Iranian regime officials who have real estate in Turkey certainly don't, don't want relations with Mr. Erdogan to deteriorate uh, too much. Indeed. So, Mr. Oren, why would Iran continue to encourage its Shiite militias to, to go against Turkish interests and, and endanger uh, Turkish security or national security interests along the Turkish border uh, at a time when it's so concerned about uh, the way Turkey feels about this relationship? Well, if it will only, it will only be so simple. And uh, we all grew up um, on the uh, legacy of the Cold War, where you had two camps. Yes, you had non-aligned uh, in the middle, but basically you were either with us or against us. And what we see in the Middle East, especially um, over the last decade, the uh, so-called Arab Spring, is that you can have Turkey and Iran along with Russia as part of the Astana process. Um, at least nominally, they are on the same uh, page regarding the future of Syria. But uh, simultaneously, you have uh, confrontations inside Syria or outside, as we have right now um, in uh, Iran. And um, as Yusuf mentioned, Ketayeb Hezbollah and others are, of course, the enemies of the Americans. They are shelling the Americans. The Americans are striking back, um, killing uh, their leader along uh, with Qassem Soleimani. But right now in northern Iraq, they are apparently uh, on the same side. Um, at least uh, if uh, you look at it um, as a double negative. So it's very difficult to, uh, to see the um, nuances and say uh, on a particular day, on a particular issue, whether neighbors, such powerful neighbors as Turkey and Iran, are friends or foes. Mr. Arim, you spoke about Sinjar, Turkey's intentions uh, to expand uh, potentially in the near future its operation against PKK forces there. <clears throat> which are operating not only against Turkey, but also against uh, the local Kurdistan regional government uh, and the Baghdad's uh, central government, uh, of course, came to an arrangement together with uh, Turkish Defense Minister Ulusi Akar when he visited there uh, about a month ago, and uh, they discussed the possibilities of really joining forces in, in pushing that further. How do you see the Iranians actually... Uh, somehow thwarting uh, Turkey's attempts to widen its influence in order to secure its uh, uh, southern border? Well, this is how I see it. Uh, first thing, it's important to understand the, uh, that the Kurdish region in uh, northern Iraq is not a homogeneous region. You have two power centers. You have Arabic and you have Soleimania, and you have uh, two rival parties that have different outlooks uh, towards Shiite militia and the PKK. Uh, in Arabia, you have the KDP that looks very warmly on Turkey, that looks at the PKK and Shiite militia as a occupying force, as a nuisance, as a hostile actor. Then you have the PUK, the Talibanis, who welcome the presence of Shiite militia, who uh, have close relations with the PKK. So we have to always keep that in the back of our mind when we're talking about the KRG. Now, how do I expect uh, the Shiite militia to act if Turkey does enter Sinjar? Well, judging from the statements of many of the leaders of these small Iran-backed groups, they've been calling for engagement with uh, Turkish troops if they enter Sinjar. But we have to realize that 
Uh, talk is very, very cheap, and uh, trying to motivate these forces against Turkey will be a tough task. Uh, taking on NATO caliber, NATO standard, uh, a standing army with a drone and air forces who has uh, only 70 kilometer distance and very easy to set up a logistic line to Sinjar is very different than fighting uh, other non-state actors or uh, terror groups like Daesh. Obviously, Turkey's gonna come with very, very big firepower. And if we've seen how Turkey has reacted in the past to Shiite militia that have tried to engage Turkish proxies or help groups that threaten Turkey's national security, uh, very simple, the uh, example in Idlib when Turkey hit many Kateb Hezbollah forces and other Hezbollah units belonging to Lebanon, and uh, it landed a very devastating blow on those units. And we could see from the amount of casualties that were returning to Lebanon, while it was not very advertised in the media, that uh, Turkey did strike a very big blow to Hezbollah units there. So Turkey has shown a risk toleration that, if necessary, it will treat Shiite militia as legitimate targets if it's standing in the way. Mr. Javed uh, what am I missing here? When we're talking about Iranian uh, foreign policy in the region, obviously it has a clear strategic interest to establish a corridor or to maintain a corridor between Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. Uh, the, the confrontation now with Turkey and uh, finding itself in, uh, in a course of collusion with Turkish interests in those same areas uh, may put uh, all of its interests in jeopardy. How is it now maneuvering in order to avoid such a confrontation, which uh, you uh, stated uh, correctly earlier, uh, is not in the interest of Tehran? Um, it really depends. Um, I, I think there's a chance that Hashto Shabi may not even engage the Turkish forces. We have to remember that the Hashto Shah, the Turkish, the Tur Turkey has a distinct advantage in its UAV force, which we saw was a critical, one of the critical success factors in the recent war in Nagorno-Karabakh. The Hashto Shabi does not have the UAV force to fight it. The Turkish Turkey has air force for Phantoms. They have F-16. Hashto Shabi does not have an air force. Also, let's remember that when Daesh was in Mosul, I think when Qasem Soleimani was alive, they attacked. Mosul three times or four times, and they still couldn't break through against Hash against Daesh, and only they broke through after the Americans provided them with air support. So I think it is possible that uh, Hashto Shabi may not even engage the, the Turkish forces if, if Turkey invades, and if they do, and if there is going to be a clash, I think for Iran it's going to be they're, they're going to try to reduce tensions. Uh, as much as possible. We also have to remember that uh, Mr. Erdogan is the best choice that Iran has in Turkey. Uh, Iranians are very, very fearful of the Gulenists. Fatullah Gulen uh, was vehemently anti-Iran, the way the Iranians saw him. And this is why when there was that coup against Mr. Erdogan, Mr. Zarif was on the phone the whole night to Mr. Erdogan trying to make to to uh, to make sure that nothing nothing's happened to Mr. Erdogan because if the Golanists win and the Golanists come to power, Iran's relations with Turkey would be very severe. And uh, the other alternatives, the other Turkish nationalists also, they don't have a very good view of Iran. So, all in all, I think uh, it will be in the interest of Iran, first of all, to avoid a clash, but if there is a clash, to make sure afterwards that tensions with the with Turkey are are reduced. Indeed. Mr. Oren, I'd like to 
understand uh, regional perspectives to this uh, possible collusion as well as international ones. How does Israel view this on the one hand, uh, as well as, of course, Saudi Arabia and other countries in the region who, who might not uh, be in, in the most favorable of relations currently with Turkey, but at the same time uh, confronting Iran in, in certain areas would be, uh, constitute a mutual interest uh, and very significant interest uh, uh, at that. And at the same time, of course, the Biden administration and at the time when uh, the Hashtashabi are also targeting U.S.-led coalition uh, installations, uh, attacking uh, forces, American forces in different areas throughout Iraq. Uh, of course, uh, the Biden administration, alongside its will to return into the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or the nuclear deal with Iran, at the same time, it uh, wants to root out the Iranian influence from Iraq and is very vocal about it. How is that actually aligned with now backing its NATO ally, Turkey? So, um, as you can uh, see uh, behind the uh, mayor's uh, back, you have the Indian Ocean and the Persian Gulf. And behind uh, Yusuf's back, you have mostly the Mediterranean, uh, along with other spheres of interest and influence um, of uh, Turkey's. So, obviously, there are uh, two points here. The um, uh, Turks were allied with Israel and may become allies again. There is the beginning of a rapprochement. Uh, it's nothing grand yet, but uh, there's some promise there. And as you say, uh, Iran is um, Israel's uh, mortal enemy, and Turkey uh, could revert to uh, a more neutral stand or perhaps even a friendlier stand. So uh, if it comes to a clash between Turkey and Iran, obviously Israel uh, would love to see Turkey uh, win. Now, in additionally, the Turkish uh, policy is defensive in nature, much like the Israeli policy in Syria. Both the Turks and the Israelis hit proxies or militias when they try to entrench themselves in um, a country adjacent to their own. The pro-Iranian uh, militias in southern uh, uh, Syria and the Kurdish uh, terrorists in northern Syria. So there is a similarity there. Um, the Iranians are offensive, not defensive. When the Iranians are helping their own proxies in Iraq, they have designs on Baghdad itself. They want to control Iraq and Iraqi policy. They may uh, want to keep a very tenuous link between Baghdad and Erbil. They don't want Iraq to disintegrate because then Kurdistan uh, could become independent and then have some other regions in Syria and perhaps uh, serve as a magnet for uh, Kurds in Turkey. But the Iranians do want to control Iraq. It is not in Turkey's interest. So if I had to sum it all up, if it comes down to a showdown between Iran and Turkey, Israel will silently root for Turkey. Indeed, uh, and maybe not uh, too silent. Uh, but uh, Mr. Erim, I'd like to ask you specifically about uh, the possibility of a collision. In the case, uh, and, and even though we don't like too much of those kind of analogies, but in the case of a frontal confrontation between Turkey and Hashtashabi, which is clearly the majority of uh, them are Iranian proxies or backed or uh, controlled by Iran, for that matter, 
Would Iran be spared in such a confrontation if it would cost in Turkish lives? Well, we have to remember, as I said before, the example from Idlib. Uh, Iran and Turkey have been able to compartmentalize what happens uh, outside of the bilateral relationship in Syria. So I see no reason why what happens in the uh, sphere of Iraq or in the Iraqi theater uh, will not be compartmentalized either. Now, maybe Iraq might be a little more uh, strategic for Iran being so, being a border country and uh, Iraq, Iran being much more entrenched in uh, Iraq, having a much bigger investment over there over the years, ever since the fall of Saddam. But uh, I, don't, I do think that both countries will maintain correspondence throughout, even if there is a confrontation uh, between Turkish troops and uh, Hashtal Shabi fighters. So I don't uh, think that that'll change anything. But uh, just to get a little uh, a broader perspective of the region, when we look at America and their maximum pressure or their policies towards Iran, which happens to change according to a president, see maximum pressure, you see Iran nuclear deal. You see maximum pressure, you see a return to the nuclear deal. Uh, you look at Israeli policies, which is basically airstrikes, uh, while they use hard power very, very effectively. Uh, at the end of the day, these are superficial airstrikes, which uh, you take out Iranian fighters, but for every one that's killed, five come back in its place. Saudi Arabia has a problem even dealing with the Houthis in Yemen to let alone deal with the much bigger Iranian proxies like Hashd al-Shabi or Hezbollah. So when any type of contain Iran policy in the region or anyone who views Iran as a threat, uh, Turkey is the most effective uh, country in this aspect. You look at what's happening in Azerbaijan, you look at what's happening in Syria, you look at what's happening in Iraq. While Turkey did not lay out these policies specifically to contain Iran, they are having the side effect of containing Iran on multiple fronts right now. And now we're seeing quite possibly an operation into Sinjar, again, not specifically aimed at containing Iran, aimed at the PKK, but again, the side effects pushing Iran back. And what Turkey brings to the table, as President Erdogan had said, that his plans are to stay in Sinjar until stability is restored, not only pushing back uh, uh, Shiite militia units, but mixing hard power, soft power, and being able to bring stability into the re region and being able to push that Shiite influence out for long term from these areas. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Javilinfa, how do you see Iran getting out of all of this situation at this stage? Uh, would it try to rein in the Shiite militias from acting as it has done uh, during the transition period of the Trump administration to the Biden administration, it, it managed in general to rein in its Shiite militias to a certain extent. Do you see this happening again now? Um, with regards to Turkey or with regards to America? With regard to Turkey. Um, it is possible. It is more possible that Iran would uh, Reign in the uh, the Shia militia with regards to Turkey than with regards to America. With regards to Mr. Biden, I'm less optimistic. With Mr. Uh, regards to Mr. Erdogan, I'm more optimistic that Iran would uh, perhaps uh, contain uh, this situation. But what is also what another factor that we have to take into consideration regarding uh, Iran-Turkey relationship is that uh, although Iran is the country that saved Mr. Assad. 
It was the first country in 2011 to come to his help. They they brought Hezbollah. For four years, it was Iran that was protecting Mr. Bashar al-Assad. Um, Turkey is winning the economic game in uh, in uh, Syria, and this makes the Iranians very angry. This is another uh, advantage which Turkey has over Iran in in the general uh, balance of power competition between them in the region. Um, also in Iraq, uh, despite Iran, Hashto Shabi, despite Iran having such incredible influence in uh, Iraq, also in Iraq, the Iranians are very dismayed that Iraqi consumers uh, and Iraqi uh, building contractors would prefer to work with Turkish companies than, than uh, Iranian companies. And we see, as we see this happening in, um, in uh, Syria and in Iraq, we, we, it's very likely that soon we're also going to see this in Azerbaijan. The areas that the Azerbaijanis recently captured, uh, they're going to rebuild them. It is again, we're going to see the Turkey's uh, far stronger economy, especially its construction sector, also appearing there. So I think uh, as part of this balance of power competition, we, it's not just the question of Iran having the upper hand as in, in terms of proxies. Uh, although Turkey does not have its proxies, or if there are Turkish proxies, they're not as strong as the Shiite uh, proxies that Iran has. Turkey's uh, economic prowess and influence also gives it much influence, and this is something that uh, Turkey is likely to use as, as leverage in its uh, uh, dealings with Iran. Mr. Arim, in one sentence, is the conflict for Sinjar inevitable? Uh, I be- it's not inevitable, but uh, it's becoming more and more likely by the day. Uh, just very quickly to add, Turkey has a lot of carrots in its basket, as our other guests uh, uh, said, whether it be water, whether it be uh, investment. And what we've seen Iran do mm-hmm. in Iraq, they've only taken, they haven't given, but Turkey will be investing. It has invested in the KRG, it's investing in Iraq, and it comes with a lot more carrots in its basket, which make for very, very good soft power and good relations. Indeed. Mr. Oren? The only power we haven't talked about is Russia. And there have been instances in the past where Putin tried to uh, reach a compromise or at least to preside over a regional summit. One may see Putin inviting Erdogan and Rouhani or or perhaps on the foreign minister level, a sort of a mini summit in Moscow in order to resolve the conflict. And you think that uh, the diplomatic course would be ultimately a... Not a better option, but a more likely option? Unfortunately, usually shots are fired first, and then diplomacy comes in. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today, and uh, I would like to thank our, our distinguished guests, uh, Mr. Yusuf Arim and Mr. Mir Javed Anfar, for being part of today's program. And I'd like to thank our TV7 analyst, Mr. Mirorin, as well, for being uh, part of today's panel. And also you. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our viewers, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.